The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's Sub. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Needless to say, Matt Norlanda is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please knock that out. While you're here, let's get into it. The first bracket reveal from the official NCAA Tournament Selection Committee. It happened today. Hopefully you watched it on CBS. It's America's most watched network, network of stars. The number one seeds are Alabama, Houston, Purdue, and Kansas. And those are the same four schools that are one, two, three, and four in my top 25 and one. So no surprise there. In fact, 15 of the selection committee's top 16 were in the top 16 of this morning's top 25 and one. The only difference, I, I have Miami in my top 16, top 16. The selection committee does not. Instead, the selection committee has Indiana. I don't have the Hoosiers. I actually have Indiana 20th in the top 25 and one right now. Dead leg. What's your biggest takeaway from the first bracket reveal of the season? I think it's Indiana, uh, 13th overall. It's the highest-ranked four seed that we that we got here. I did interview. Uh, I did a quick interview for CBS Sports HQ with Chris Reynolds uh, about a few of these topics. We touched on a couple things here. One, there was no other team in contention for the one seed. It was those four. Um, he didn't outright say that. Uh, Bama beating Houston was was the definitive clincher, but it was a major factor in getting to that point. If you are watching, you can see right here, so you can get a, an idea of the South, the Midwest, the West, and the East, the teams that are go, that would go right now, and then the corresponding seeds with that. You will also notice five big 12 teams, not in the top 16, in the top 12. Okay, you've got uh, you've got Kansas as a one seed, then you've got Texas on the two line. You've got Baylor on the two line. You've got Iowa State. On the three, and that is absolutely a consequence of what they've been able to do on the top end of the schedule. I want to get to that in just a second here. And then you've got K-State on the 12. And K-State is a 12. Indiana is a 13. It's surprising to me. And that's not even considering GP as we do this live. I mean, you've got Illinois still winning at Indiana. I don't really know how you justify Indiana that high. Yeah, uh, but, let, let's, but 
I know, but let's be clear about something. What is what ha- is happening with Indiana Doesn't right matter. now Doesn't has matter. nothing to do with this. So I, I here's the thing. I don't think Indiana should be in the top 16 based on what Indiana has done up until this morning. Indiana wins this game, loses this game. It has no impact on what the bracket reveals should should show. I, I agree with that. It has it's completely irrelevant, but you know, these things will age quickly. That one will age extremely quickly and not that well if Indiana does lose at home to an Illinois team that isn't at full strength right now. K State as, as the 12 overall seed and on the three line out there in the West is certainly intriguing to me. Um, the teams that didn't make it, and I did ask Reynolds this. So on the broadcast, he said Creighton, Miami, St. Mary's, UConn. If you look closely at that, that is alphabetical order. Creighton, C, Miami, M, St. Mary's, S, and UConn, U. I asked him if that was the exact order. He said it was not, and they didn't put a specific order on it. But those were the only other four teams that were considered for the four line. UConn not breaking in is certainly intriguing. Uh, when you consider the strength of UConn's overall resume and when you consider what it's been able to do. I mean, UConn has wins over... Uh, it has a win over Bama, the number one overall seed. It's got the win over Iowa State and and has a win over... There's another... And Marquette. It's won three... It's been beaten three of those teams by double digits, definitively. Uh, I don't have a huge issue with that because as you and I have often agreed on, uh, the losses have to count. They have to mean something. UConn is 19-7. and seven. I would have UConn in this top 16. I think it would be come down for me probably UConn, Miami, K-State at 12 just seems high to me, GP, frankly. Just seems a little high overall. Uh, but I don't have any huge gripes. You know, we're just we're doing a quickie pod. We're giving you a little something on a Saturday. Those are my initial thoughts as we are literally like less than an hour after looking at this thing. What about you? Every year this happens, and every year I say – more or less what you just said, which is I don't have any major gripes because it lines up every year pretty well, if not entirely, with the top 25 and one. I spend three months ranking 26 teams every single morning and every single morning get called an idiot like and, and, and many other worse things. And then the bracket reveal comes out and it's like the selection committee. I, I want to be clear. They're not I don't mean they're copying me. That's not what I mean at all. But what they end up publishing looks like a copy on some level of the top 25 and one with very few exceptions. Again, this time uh, 15 of their top 16 is in the top 16 of my top 25 and one. The only difference being Indiana. And this is where when I miss on this stuff, this is where I always miss. It has to do with I care about the loss column more than the selection committee cares about the loss column. I'll take it a step further. I tend to care about the loss column more than AP voters tend to care about the loss column. And so I wouldn't have Indiana in because it's a lot of losses. You know, Indiana's five and seven in quadrant one, three and one in quadrant two. So the Hoosiers are eight and eight in the first two quadrants with zero additional losses. Now, it's nice that they don't have anything bad in quadrant three, anything bad in quadrant four. They only have one quadrant two loss. But 500 in the first two quadrants gets you gets you into the top 16. Like, again, we're, we're splitting hairs a little bit here. I would have Indiana five seed instead of a four. Right. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not that big of a difference, but it's I was it's the best four. Just so we're that, clear. yeah, that's a little bit of a stretch for me. Um, whereas the team that I would have in instead of Indiana is Miami. Like I said, Miami is six and four in quadrant one and three and zero in quadrant two. So nine and four in the first two quadrants. Again, Indiana is eight and eight in the first two quadrants. Miami is nine and four in the first two quadrants. 
Indiana's 500 and Miami is five games above 500. And in the end, Miami has more quadrant one wins than Miami. The only difference here is that Miami does have a quadrant three loss at Georgia Tech. Indiana does not have any quadrant three losses. But I'd rather I would rank higher a team that's nine and four in the first two quadrants with one quadrant three loss than a team that's only eight and eight in the first two quadrants, even if that other team doesn't have anything bad in quadrant three or quadrant four. I think Miami should be in Indiana out, but it's a small quibble. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Uh, there is going to be inconsistency with some of this stuff because the committee is now 12 people. It used to be 10. This is the second year of it being 12 people. And frankly, you might have seven people that apply their own philosophy to this one way, five people that applied another for one team, and then it flips. And those, you know, the seven that had it on that one team might do something different. The reason why I bring this up is specifically, even just like, Quickly dive into the minutia. Arizona is six. UCLA is eight overall. UCLA has a very intriguing resume. And I did ask Reynolds about this. And I said, listen, why is Arizona six and UCLA UCLA eight when you consider Arizona has certainly more troubling, more troubling losses overall? And Arizona is six and two in quad one. It has one quad three loss, right? UCLA has no bad losses. They're all the losses are inside of quad one, but it doesn't have as many. It's four and four in quad one. So you're really splitting interpretations on this. And um Right or wrong, uh, Reynolds mentioned a few things, but one of them that, that popped out to me was how Arizona was able to schedule in a non-conference. I would quibble with that specifically in terms of I think the resumes are close enough here. Um, I, I, when you when you look at how they did Arizona and UCLA, and then you and then you look at how some other teams might have been a little bit lower or a little bit higher, there's just going to be some inconsistencies. Not the worst thing in the world. They mostly got it right. Some of these teams will fall out of the top 16. Uh, if you're curious about how much went into this, just a quick little background. I talked to Chris about this. He said they put about 22 hours worth of work into these top 16 this week. Um, and again, 20 teams what? were discussed. <laughs> what, what, which is which is by the way wildly unnecessary. I do this stuff in. 45 minutes every day get the same results i'm just okay i'm just i'm just giving you the data that i was given to me and i know but that's uh, I, and so how about this though we got five big 12 teams in the top 12 now because if you have a conference with four of them if you're looking right now if you're watching you'll see what do we got we got baylor out in the south you go over to the Midwest, you got Texas on the two line. You go down to the East, you've got Iowa State on the three line. And then you go out West and you've got Kansas State on the one. K, uh, sorry, Kansas on the one, K-State on the three. For all those all those teams, they need to go to, to different regions. That's part of it. You got Now they got five and you can't have the rematch happen prior to the Elite Eight. So... 
that's why Kansas State, first of all, would never be a two, but it, it couldn't be on the four because then a one versus four could happen in the Sweet 16. Kansas and Kansas State could wind up playing each other three times. You can't have them meet prior to a regional final. So that's also part of the bracketing thing. Reynolds said with the way this shook out, it actually wasn't that complicated this time around. But the Big 12 has so many good teams and moving parts. When we get to the actual tournament and selection Sunday, it is going to be inevitable that a really good Big 12 team is not going to be given a region for the second weekend that is going to be geographically preferable because they're going to have to ship these teams to all of the regions, all of the parts of the country. Just keep that in mind. What else stands out to you, GP? 22 hours? They got together on Monday, long day on Tuesday, a little more on Wednesday. And here that's outrageous. I could play five rounds. I could play five rounds of golf and then There's sit down and, and, and rank 16 teams. No problem. 22 hours is hour. There's a process. <laughs> no, it's not that. It ain't a 22 hour process. what I got. Okay. 20 I, to 22 no, hours yeah, overall. I'm not, question, I'm not questioning the quote. I know. I'm, not just... I'm laughing at the quote. I'm not questioning the validity of the quote. I'm I'm oh. hysterically laughing at it. 22 uh, hours. I could I reach basically the same conclusion in 45 minutes. It's not that difficult. Um, I'm with you. UCLA should be ahead of Arizona. And the reason yeah, is because so. of of the lost column. You see like they they have similar records. They're both four loss teams. UCLA is four and four in quadrant one. All four losses. That is on UCLA's resume, like you said, in quadrant one. Arizona has two more quadrant one wins, but they got a quadrant two loss at Stanford and a quadrant three loss against Washington State. Now, I've heard some people say, yeah, maybe UCLA's got a better body of work because the way I just laid it out to you, UCLA does have a better body of work. Uh, but but Arizona beat UCLA. That's what somebody might say. So maybe that's a, the, the, a de facto tiebreaker. And if it is, whatever. What I would say there the reason I don't get caught up on that too much is that's just a scheduling thing. That's just because the PAC 12 made UCLA go to Arizona before Arizona had to go to UCLA. If you just flip the schedule around, can we agree that UCLA probably has probably not definitely, Mm -hmm. but probably Mm -hmm. has a win over Arizona right now. So it's just a, that's just a scheduling thing. at least when I'm ranking teams, I don't get, I try not to get too caught up in, in that. And you said something there that's interesting about, I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, about, how Arizona scheduled in the non-league that that's yeah. a factor. He mentioned that I, as a factor. I was just talking to uh, our boss, Adi Joseph about this last night. There is nothing I care about less when it comes to all of this stuff, the non-league strength of schedule. Why do I don't understand? And, and, uh, sincerely, if you've got an explanation, please enlighten me. We do this how every does, year, Parrish. We do this every does, year. This is how supposed does to be a short podcast. I can't. I can't. How I does can't. the selection committee constantly tell everybody it's your entire body of work? We don't mm-hmm. care what your conference record is. We don't care any. It's your entire body of work. They say it over and over and over again, and then they rationalize decisions by saying, "Well, they did something in their non-league schedule." I thought it was your whole body of work. If you want to talk about schedule strength, let's talk about total schedule strengths. Mm-hmm. But the idea that non-league, I do not believe, and I know that it is, I know that it is, but I do not believe non-league strength of schedule should ever factor into a decision. 
Yeah, it still does. Um, right now, I'm not looking at the net ranking for non. I'm just looking at non Ken Palm right now. Arizona is at 71 non-con schedule. UCLA was 135. It's not that great. I, I listen. It was a really quick interview, and I and I I gave Chris like five or six questions, and that was just one of them because I couldn't help well, but he, notice he, he, didn't, he didn't have time. He, he just spent, he, he spent 22 hours doing the doing the top four. That's games. right. That's right. So yeah, you know, I know. I know, I know. There's a, when they get into these debates, though. There's a there's a lot of different things that that get brought up, and that's that's one of them. I don't think it's a it's an I don't think it's one that carries massive amounts of weight, at least not these days the way that it used to. However, I am a very very big proponent of the committee literally acting as an arbiter and holding programs accountable because I think it's better big picture for the entire sport. We want to have good teams play good teams as much as possible in November and December. And one of the forces to induce that to happening is how you seed teams when it comes to the tournament. If that wasn't in play, November and December would be even worse. So big picture, I, even outside of the scope of how you're seeding a team, I actually think the selection committee is a necessary, not even necessary evil, but a necessary force of pressure to induce programs to do this because if it wasn't there frankly the sport in the first six weeks of the season would be even worse i hear you but i, I guess my fundamental problem with that is that uh, houston and gonzaga just to name two big time programs that play in not big time leagues should be scheduling way more aggressively in the non-league than say a baylor or an indiana or a Kansas or a Michigan State, because once that calendar flips to January, Kansas and Baylor got to play Big 12 schedules and Michigan State and Indiana got to play Big 10 schedules and Houston gets an AAC schedule and Gonzaga gets a WCC schedule. Like if you're going to reward programs for non-league schedule strength, that by default should lean toward schools in inferior conferences, because those are the ones if they if they're legitimate like top 30 type programs just happen to play in not great conferences. Those are the programs that should be scheduling way more aggressively than say, if you're uh, certainly a middle of the pack, big 12 or big 10 program. So again, we've been over all this before. It's just one of the things I, I, I fundamentally at my core, I think is a flaw in the whole selection process. Okay, uh, two more, then let's get out of here. We're trying our best to make this as fast as possible because this stuff is going to, <laughs> it's just going to expire relatively quickly. Uh, look at those regions, GP, South, Midwest, West, East. Which one do you think is the strongest? Mm, I had not thought about this. I'm going to read this aloud as GP thinks it. Here's your South, Bama, Baylor, Virginia, Indiana. The Midwest is Houston, Texas, Tennessee, Xavier. Out West is Kansas, Zona, K-State, Gonzaga, and then the East is Purdue, UCLA, Iowa State, Marquette. Okay, I don't feel strongly about it, but if I had to pick one, Midwest. I would lean South uh, because you've got Bama, you've got Baylor, which would be my pick to be the most likely team to jump to the one line between now and Selection Sunday, although... If Arizona doesn't lose again where it is right now, you'd think it would have a good chance. But I, I, Bama, Baylor, Virginia, who I think is Final Four capability. And then even though I disagree with Indiana on the four line and the th best four overall, it's got one of the five best players in the country. We've seen how good it can be. Current result notwithstanding. It's actually tied. Uh, but that's that was, you said Midwest. I would go South. You like the Midwest with the healthy Xavier. Tennessee's the best defensive team in the country. Texas has been in the conversation for top three Big 12 team. And then Houston is number one in the metrics. Why do you like the Midwest? Uh, you've got Houston, which would be my pick today to win the national championship. Uh, you've got Texas, which has at times 
look like the best team in the there was a moment where people were saying texas has got to be the best team in the texas should be ranked number one texas has got to be the best team in the country uh the longhorns are tied for first in this moment while we're talking um in the toughest league in america tennessee like you said um they've got some big big wins right um they they've uh, beaten uh, you know, most notably the current number one Alabama, the overall number one seed Alabama, shaky losses in that 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 I think ding up the resume. I would have Tennessee as a four seed instead of a three, based on the loss column is problematic. But mm-hmm. I still can recognize that on any given day, Tennessee can can beat anybody. Um, as I was uh, texting last night with Adi again, I said with Tennessee is, is capable of barely beating Houston or barely beating Houston Baptist. Like they could barely beat either one of those schools, depending on how they play offensively on any given day. But like, that's a tough out clearly. And then Xavier, yes, I want them to be healthy. Was Zach Freeman back in the lineup, but I think healthy Xavier is a, it's a legitimate final four contender too. Again, I don't feel strongly Midwest over any of these, but if I had to pick one, I think I'd pick more, uh, Midwest. Last one, then let's pull the parachute here. Of the three seeds you see here, because the four seeds obviously are vulnerable to drop out, and, and some of them will. Which three seed do you think is most likely to not be on the one through four line when we get to Selection Sunday? And the three, three, three seeds for those listening, trying to keep up, uh, is Virginia, Tennessee, Iowa State, UCLA. Tennessee. Um, I, I think Virginia. Is, entire, so you got him five. The best chance of being a five or worse, just for so people are listening. Yeah, just for the sake of this conversation, I'm not predicting Tennessee is going to be a five or worse seed, but for the sake of this conversation, um, I think they are the most likely. Virginia, I think, is going to do fine the rest of the way in the ACC. Cue Virginia losing its next game, but I, I, I think Virginia is going to do fine in a weakened as uh, ACC. The thing about the Big 12 threes, Kansas State and Iowa State, you can't take bad losses in the Big 12. I know, but they're, I, it's fair. There's just so many of them. I know, I'm, but you just, that, but like, you know what the committee just told us? They don't care. They don't care. I've got, I've got Kansas State is my nominee. It's six and six in quad one. It doesn't have a bad loss. I get that. It's just tallying the most, but you're right. How it actually comes to grips with how to see these teams in the Big 12 that are just, it's quad one after quad one after quad one. It's If you basically split your two games the rest of the no. week, it's just you get a quad one win and you take a quad one loss. I know that's not exactly true, but you get the point. So I think Virginia is going to be fine in the sense that I think Virginia is going to win the ACC, perhaps by multiple games. Those Big 12 schools, it's just hard. Unless they go on like four game losing streaks, it's hard to hurt yourself, which leaves me with Tennessee which, by the way, as long as we're doing in-progress stuff, down 16 right now at Kentucky. So if I had them as a four heading into the day, well, then they're sliding the other direction, losing to... That's a great point, GP. I got that on my my (laughs) iPad right here, but I was monitoring Indiana. That's right. Tennessee's in a bad spot right now. It's not good. So I'm going to top rated three seed, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to go the other direction on the, on the, on the Vols. Um, But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We still got plenty of time between now and in selection Sunday. I know not everybody loves these brackets. I like it. I like, I like, I, I like the attention it brings to the sport. I like the conversations that it sparks. I like the way it, it, if I'm being honest, it's it more or less mostly validates the top 25 and one. I'm glad the sport started doing this and, and doing it not on any network, but on America's most watched network, the network of stars. All right, let's go watch these games. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. 
And shouts to Cody from Kentucky. I met Cody last night. I'll be real quick on it. Uh, oh, I thought, I, okay, I thought that it was a Sunday Sunday save, but go ahead. I uh, I met Cody last night. I was uh, so I'm in I'm in New York for like 11 straight days for doing time to shine studio work. And rather than go home this weekend, because it would have been like go home late Friday, come back on Sunday. I just decided I'll stay the weekend and I'll fly my family up. So my 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 mother's here and my wife is here and my two little guys are here. And my wife and my mother last night wanted to go to a Broadway play. They wanted to go see Jessica Chastain on a doll's house. If you need a review, they said it was great. I said, you guys go do that. I'll take care of the boys tonight. I gave the boys every option of every thing they wanted to do and they said uh, we want to go to Dave and Buster's dad we want to play video games at Dave and Buster's went to Dave and Buster's and um, and you know we're, we'd spend $200 playing games been there for like three hours and I don't know if you know about how Dave and Buster's works but at the end of it you know you get all the you you you, you I'm familiar you, you earn all these tickets and then you get to cash your tickets in for prizes and the value of these things are outrageous by the way like you think you get more than enough and you're like that's what I'm getting for this yeah Dude, okay, I like legit spent two hundred dollars on games, and like the best thing we were getting is like a little rubber football. All right, that's where we were. Come on, it's the one of the biggest scams going. I'm, I'm it's, a, it, it, it's a massive scam. So my little guy Lou is starting to have a breakdown because he's got his. And here's the other thing: they put like an Xbox in this store, right? And so the kid's looking around, and he's you like, need to literally buy the Dave and Buster's in order to get the Xbox. I think that's how that works. I said, I mean, I said, Lou. You have to spend $150,000 here to have enough tickets to get that Xbox. And he's starting to break down. He's starting to have a problem. And at this point, this young man, who I don't know, he looks over at me. He sees what's going on. My nine-year-old is happy and satisfied. My six-year-old is unsatisfied with the entire situation. He had his eyes set on a brand new Xbox. This guy looks at me, looks me right in the eyes. You know what he says? There's more of us. I said, excuse me, because I didn't really hear it. He said, GP, there's more of us than there are of them. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I said, all right. And then he handed me his, his card with all his tickets on it. And he said, we're not going to spend these. Wow. What a let's, move. Let your little guy get, get an extra prize. So shouts to Cody from Kentucky. I, I, I didn't expect to hear him. There's more of us than there are of them at the Dave and Buster's in Times Square on a Friday night. But that is what happened. Fun moment. Thank you guys for listening once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere. Use it. Subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You know what to do at Apple. Five stars. Nice review. More of us. Cody's one of us. There's more of us than there are of them. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that while you're here. And we're going to talk to you again on Sunday night after this whole weekend of whatever is in the books. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 